I'm Baz, and this is RuneQuest Year Zero. Ah, oh, RuneQuest, what a strange and beautiful journey it's been. And here we are. I've read the whole thing. Been through every single handout, been through every word in every book, looked at every place on every map. And so we come to the end. Come to the end of the starter box anyway. I think it's time to put some thoughts together about what's really happened along the way, and really, I suppose, what I think about the whole thing. Um, well, it's kind of an interesting question because I've really struggled to come up with some answers to this, and it's not normally something that bothers me at all, but it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode, mostly because I've been really mulling over exactly what it is I do think about RuneQuest, but I think I have settled on an opinion. And I'm also aware that actually this little podcast side quest of mine has turned into a bit of a review podcast, really, which wasn't really the intent. I was hoping to have played a lot more RuneQuest and generated a lot more RuneQuest, prepped some, you know, just gotten into it more than I have done. But it's turned out to be a bit more of a reading exercise. I don't really know why that's the case. Well, actually, I think I do, and that might be part of the problem. So let's have a look at what we know so far. So to recap, have a look at the rules of RuneQuest. And thinking back on that, it's they are slightly slightly opaque to me, even at, even at this stage. So I I get what RuneQuest does. It's it's a basic role playing game, as in BRP. It's got the percentage dice thing going on. Uh, it has some other dice too, and it's got you know largely it's got its skill resolution system pretty much down. It knows what it wants to do. Um, for me, there's slightly too many skills, but you know I could say that of a lot of games. So. I think, you know, the core mechanic that lies underneath RuneQuest, no problem at all. Um, I'm not totally sold on the ideas of the implementation of passions and runes, but I'm really glad that those things are there because without those, I think you've got a core mechanic and not much else, really. So I'm really pleased that they're there. And I'll come back to what I think about runes and passions. So that, that that's good they're there, but what they do for me is a little bit muddled up anyway. The other rules of the game about the combat, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot to look at there. There's a lot to learn. There's attacks and parries and hit locations and piecemeal armor. Uh, and that's before you get into stuff like the magic, of which there are three different types. And I've spoken before about, I think, maybe the naming conventions are a bit mechanistic. Um, so there's not a lot of magic, <laughs> with a small m, in the rule section. But I get it, and it, it takes me back to the original RuneQuest book that I read way back in the day, RuneQuest 2, I believe it was, um, and all of the basic role-playing stuff I've seen in the intervening decades. So I looked at Call of Cthulhu 7th last year and was really impressed with what it did. I've played a lot of Stormbringer in my time. It's you know Basic role-playing is not new to me, and it's really interesting to see what RuneQuest... Inglorantha has done with that old warhorse of a basic role-playing system. And I think if I was just reviewing it from a rules perspective, I would do this. I would think, have a look at Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Love it or hate it, there are similarities. And I don't mean similarities in the way that they do things. I mean similarities in the expectations. When D&D 5th edition came along, it had to please an awful lot of people. 40 years, 40-plus 40 years of legacy, of various editions, various incarnations, all kinds of peaks and troughs along the way from the glory days of advanced Dungeons and Dragons and having a cartoon on your Saturday morning telly down to the late 90s where TSR pretty much had to had to give up the ghost and Wizards of the Coast had to take over and third happened and, and then fourth happened and so on. 
So a lot of water under the bridge and D&D 5e had to come along and it had to please an awful lot of people and it probably couldn't do that. But I think, I think, you know, six years down the line from 5e now, I think it's fair to say that it did a pretty good job of bringing the tribes together. It excluded a few people along the way, but this podcast isn't about 5e. Well, this podcast is about RuneQuest and RuneQuest has got to try to do a similar thing. It's had to choose a similar path, an enormously big legacy, a huge legacy, and peaks and troughs again in the history of how its system has been applied to its setting. And Glorantha has sometimes been well served, and I think it's fair to say sometimes it's been ill served. And this is obviously the latest attempt, and it probably, from KSEN's point of view, wants to try and be the last attempt really to really get it right. And I think they've done a very, very good job. But I don't think they've done a perfect job at all. And in fact, there's some real issues, I think, with what they've done in this particular box. Because don't forget, I've only got the starter set in front of me. And I keep coming back to the same thing, which is, what is a starter set supposed to do? What's it for? Who's it for, more particularly? Is it for me, someone who's RuneQuest curious and wants to see what's going on, and has, well, has done the last few hours of talking into this microphone. Is it for someone who's never played role-playing games before and wants to slide this box off the shelf? They Maybe they've seen something on a website, or a friend has recommended it, or they probably thought about Dungeons & Dragons, but then looked at this in a, in a game store, perhaps, and thought, yeah, why not? Let's give this a go. This has, got, this has got swords, and looks like it might be fun, and it's all in a box. Or is it just something else for the veterans of RuneQuest, to slide onto their shelves for complete, completion's sake? Completivism? Is that even a word? Completism. No, it isn't a word, is it? <laughs> for the completists. Is it for them with some new material? I think KSEM's tried to do a bit of that for everyone, and I think it's tried to do a bit of that for everyone with its rule system as well. Now, there's a thought I'm going to return to, but that's what I think about the rules. Um, the world of Glorantha... Rule book two, or book two, is full of exciting stuff that I really enjoyed. And I think that I've never understood Glorantha as well as I have done from having read that book. But it's a really broad scope. It's a really broad scope. It would be. It's talking about an entire world, an entire setting with all of that legacy. It's an impossible task for KSEM to release an introductory booklet. Is that even what they were trying to do? Because, again, I keep coming back to this word. Who is this this book about Glorantha for? It's clearly not for the absolute veterans. I get that. But is it for people brand new to it, completely brand new to it? Or is it for someone, is it enough to get started with? These are all tricky questions, and my mind keeps coming back to it. And it comes back to it again when I look at Solo Quest, the book that I enjoyed playing because it had some unique stuff about it and really started tying together those rules in that world. I really like the idea of the mass battle. Too wordy, way too wordy, but there's some game in there and that's good. And then book four, those three adventures and adventure seeds for further adventures, a rough landing, a fire in the darkness, the rainbow mouse, three very different takes on what you can do in RuneQuest. And I spent a lot of time talking to you about what do you do in RuneQuest? That book answered that question, but it threw up more questions as well. Who are those adventures for? <laughs> are they for the RuneQuest veterans to pad out their adventure collection? Are they for the person who has never GM'd before? 
are they for the person who has GM'd other games and is coming to this game wanting to GM these adventures? Because you have to know the answer to that question before you can tell whether or not it's hit his design goals. And then I look at the blank adventurer sheets. Well, the ready-made adventurer sheets. I'll come on to the blank adventurer sheets in a minute. The ready-made adventurer sheets, 14 of them, um, really nicely put together, as is the whole package, with beautiful art that really does a lot to sell me on this game. I love the art in this book. And the art of those characters is fabulous. But there's so much on those character sheets, and I didn't invent them. I didn't create those adventurers. They were done for me, and I'm picking. And that's okay, but I'm picking. And I do that in my board games. Handouts, handouts be handouts. The maps, the maps can sometimes be lovely. The map of the uh, the geographical terrain map of the of Sartar is fantastic. It promises so much. The other maps I can take or leave, but they're really nice things. And I am glad that they're in the box. And then we get to the issue. And the issue is the blank adventurer sheets. And its sister issue, the dice. The dice in this game are the thing that's caused me the most mental anguish. Of all things, it's the dice. The set of dice is the problem with this starter set. And I think I need to expand on why I think that is. So why should the dice be a problem? They're just very nice polyhedral dice. Um, I'm given to understand they're the same in every box. They're a kind of a bronzy colour, which is, I suppose, is a little bit Goranthan. They're a perfectly nice set of dice. Why are the dice an issue for me? Because who needs dice? And to answer that question, we get back to that design goal of what is this starter set about? Who is it for? If you're providing a set of polyhedral dice in your box, and they're not particularly special dice, there's nothing wrong with them, but it's not like they've got different icons on them, or they're a sort of a, you know, they've got runes in, in place of some numbers, which would have been a delight. But oh no, they're just, they're a set of polyhedral dice. Why are they in the box? Surely you only put dice in the box, and for that matter, blank adventurer sheets. If you're giving this to people that you think really are brand new to this particular hobby, I mean, almost, of course, you think you, this is really for people who are kind of new to RuneQuest, I think. But are you saying it's for people brand new to the hobby? Because those dice, the addition of those dice, has meant a different shaped box. It's a different experience. You are making it look like, if you don't mind me saying, KSM, you're making it look like is everything you need in one box to play. And it's a callback to those original D&D boxes from the early 80s where you get your wax crayons and you'd have to fill in the numerals on the dice yourself. Why are the dice there? I haven't been able to shift it from my head this whole time. And the reason I haven't been able to shift it is the tone of the rest of the stuff in the box. Whether I've liked it, whether I've enjoyed it, whether I thought it's brilliant, whether I've been a bit bored by it, it's been pitched at veteran gamers. It genuinely has. So what are the dice doing there? Because veteran gamers certainly don't need another set of pollies. They really, really don't. It's a real conundrum. Because I think, as an introductory box to fantasy role-playing in the world of Glorantha, I don't think this box succeeds at all. I genuinely don't. You can't actually really, properly, 
get involved in the Glorantha hobby from this box. And it isn't newbie friendly. It's not written in terms of like how this works. You've got a solo quest stuff, which is nice enough. I really enjoyed that. And then you've got the adventures, but it certainly doesn't teach you how to GM a game. It really doesn't hold your hand particularly at all. There's still a massive stack of reading. Everything's alluded to. And when it is dealt with directly, it's, it's written in the same way as the adventures that I buy are written. But I know what I'm doing. I don't think this is for people brand new to the hobby. And if it is, I think it fails. It doesn't give you enough to run the game itself. Think about what you don't get in this box. You don't get any character creation. I know that's true of a lot of so-called starter boxes these days. That hasn't always been the case. I can think of examples where you do get a game in the box. Pathfinder Beginner Box. Um, the Black Hack box set, which is maybe everything in a box rather than a starter set, but you know what I mean. It's all there. Um, the D&D sets from the early 80s, those red boxes and blue boxes and all the other colours that came after. You get complete games in those. The game might be different, slightly adjusted, might not be entirely 100% compatible with the main game even, but it's in there. You get everything you need to play. And then there are other boxes, of course, that don't give you character creation. As I say, that is that you know, on its own, that wouldn't be fatal. But it isn't really much to go on. And this game, in particular, keeps going on about how your community is important and your character is important. It's not just a set of stats that goes into a hole in the ground and stabs monsters. Well, I think by not giving us character creation of any sort, I feel like I've been denied the pleasure of living in Glorantha in a community. And I think there were ways it could have been done. I'll come back to that later on. What else is missing? There's no bestiary. So if I'm GMing my own games, there's absolutely nothing for opponents. I mean, nothing. You've got what comes with the adventures. So we've got some trolls in there. We've got a scorpion man in there. We've got a couple of bits and pieces, but there's no bestiary. There's no equipment apart from what's on the actual character sheets. So you can't go shopping between adventures. You can't live in Glorantha with these characters. It's really, and if I'm being honest, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but it's just, for me, it's more evidence that it's not for the brand new gamer. This box is a set of adventures that comes with some pregens. And I don't know why, but it's also got a solo quest adventure to try and teach you how to play it, which, does that work? Does that not work? I don't know. And it's got... Um, a pamphlet, a heavy pamphlet, no less, about the great wider world of Grantha that you never see in the adventures. You could throw away Solo Quest, you could almost throw away the world of Grantha, and you've got the core of the game. 14 adventurers and three adventurers to sell them, to send them on. And that doesn't make it a game. Now, is that okay? It depends. It depends on your viewpoint. It depends what KSCM were trying to do. And I think they were trying to touch a lot of bases at once. And I think it's a compromised box. I think it fails on that, on that level. Because I don't think it does enough for the brand new gamer to RuneQuest. And I think it does too much of things that are not necessary. So what about for the person who is relatively experienced and they want to come to RuneQuest, the people like me? How does that work? Well, let's see. It's possible that I actually am the demographic for this box set. It may be 
that as a starter set, it's actually for people who are pretty well versed in gaming already and are maybe Glorantha curious or BRP curious. And from that perspective, I think I can judge the box set in a different way. Because obviously more dice is fine. <laughs> that's no problem at all. They'll find a place in my massive bag of dice and that's great. So what does it offer me then? Well, it gives you the tantalising glimpse of Glorantha. And a good one at that. That works. I am genuinely intrigued by the world. It does raise more questions than it answered, but what else can you do given the page count? It does give me some adventures to run. And um, I think I could do that and I would enjoy doing that. It gives you plenty of pregens to play with and there's loads of kit in the box. It's a really nice put together thing. But it, <laughs> it doesn't have much in the way of legs. I really, really think that it's going to do a great job of making people buy the core book. And maybe, from KSE's point of view, that's exactly what it's for. Because I don't know if you could just, just have this. I think you need more. And to be fair, the stuff that's really impressed me about Grantha has been the stuff that you guys have been doing with your call-ins or comments on Twitter or the people have reached out to me and been very generous with their advice about how things are working and stuff about um, the glow line, for example. That's a really good example, actually, of something that's been explained brilliantly by the Glorantha fans who've come to my rescue. There's so much more to Glorantha, and I think it is nowhere near as dry and dusty as I thought it was going to be. It's much more colourful. Um, it's rich with possibility. Um, so, yes. I suppose from that point of view, the starter set has done exactly what it needed to in that it's tempting me to get into the core. Will I go for the core? Will I go deeper into RuneQuest than this? Still thinking. You see, there's enough here. There's enough in the starter set to know. I think once you get to the end of the box, you know, really, in your heart of hearts, whether Glorantha is something you want to continue with and make that your hobby, or whether you think, well, this is fine, this is good even, and I'll just slide it back onto the shelf and maybe get it out and maybe play those adventures and maybe not. And you've, you've had your toe in the water. And I think that's where I'm at. I think that's where I'm at is toe in the water stuff. Um, I don't think I'm going to invest in the main game after this, but I'm sure that plenty of people who pick this up probably will do. The question I have, and I won't be able to answer it without getting into the core game, is what would have happened if I'd never touched the starter set and just gone for the core game? Would that have been enough? Would I have saved myself the, admittedly, not very much money? And, of course, thank you to Chaos here, my mine for free. But maybe just jumping into the core book would be enough because I think there's definitely more to explore. And I do feel like I need the character generation. I need the full set of tools to play the game. And, and the starter set, as I mentioned earlier, it feels like actually it's a set of adventures that have just been really nicely packaged in an unusual way. Um, and I'm sure that if it had been just set out as a book with three adventures in it and some pre-gens in the back of it, it probably wouldn't have done the units that it must have done at this point. I'm sure it's been a massive success. So as intrigued as I still am by RuneQuest, and I've had a lot of questions answered, I still don't think I'm ready to really jump into it. And I think I'm going to sum up now and then... <laughs> This is going to be the bit that I'm sure will infuriate people because it kind of infuriates me. I feel like this game's a solid seven. And that seems to be almost disrespectful. It's okay. It's decent. And those are the adjectives I keep coming back to. It certainly isn't terrible. 
but it's nowhere near as mind-blowing as I was perhaps led to expect by some of the some of the fandom really in a 40-year-old gaming property. I was kind of hoping to have my socks blown off and that didn't really happen. I feel like I've got a fantasy role-playing game here that's that's kind of shackled to its legacy really um, and hasn't really been prepared to sort of move on and adopt some of the stuff that well some of the stuff that's even in call of cthulhu 7 from a rules perspective it's, it seems to me ridiculous to not use those rules innovations if it's good enough for one game it's certainly good enough for the next so i think RuneQuest is a bit of a missed thing for me i really hope it does well i think it is doing well and i'm glad that RuneQuest exists in this gaming world i was hoping for a 9 or 10 out of 10 game and maybe that's too much to expect Maybe I should be glad that it wasn't one of those, you know, damp squibs. It certainly isn't that. It's good, but it's not great. And the really, really weird thing about this is I can't stop but think, what would it have taken to really push me over the edge and make this a great starter set for a Grand Throne Inquest? I have thoughts on that. So here's what I would do. And I'm no expert in these things, but I just think this might have worked really well for me. And I can only really speak for me. I think what RuneQuest might really need is a proper little starter set. And by proper starter set, I mean something that's self-contained, something that doesn't really need anything else at all. It'd be nice to have other stuff. It doesn't need other stuff. I think the current starter set does need other things. And to do that, I think it needs focus. Glorantha's massive. It's absolutely huge. And even the starter set is trying to focus in on Sartar, and that in itself is a really big deal. There seems to be so much going on, and the world of Glorantha booklet can only do hint at things that, that it really can't cover, given the scope of it. And despite that, it's still used an awful lot of pages, an awful lot of pages. If you weld those four books together, you've got, you know, you really have got a decent book that could be in, in hardcovers. So I think it needs to focus down even more and be part of a strategy that maybe does more than one of these things. So imagine, if you will, a similar setup in that you've got adventures in there, absolutely. But I think we could start with maybe take a leaf out of the basic D&D stuff that happened in those early 80s. And yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You had advanced Dungeons and Dragons and you had basic Dungeons and Dragons and trying to serve two masters. Some people will tell you that wasn't good for the game. Well, it seems to have done all right out of it so far. And I don't know. I I think there was potential there, and certainly with RuneQuest, to have a stripped down version of RuneQuest, but that was still a complete game. There's some obvious candidates to do that with. You could make the game a lot less wordy You could get the basic rules of the basic role-playing system in there by really choosing to pare down the stuff that isn't going to be used in this particular box set. So, for example, in this starter set, we've got all of that magic, the common magic, we've got all of that spirit magic, we've got the rune magic, we've got the the sorcery is even in there too, although to a limited extent. It isn't getting used in the game. And given, again, I mention this a lot, we don't have character creation, why have it all at all? Perhaps a much, much shortened list. Or maybe, you know, you could could you do one that's just got one type of magic? Does it need to have rune magic at all? I think this is what you would call low-level kind of stuff. And we certainly don't get in the start to set any of the hero questing or the rune lord kind of stuff that is 
Again, why even talk about it if it's not going to be part of this useful box? I think the box needs to be super modular. So strip back all that stuff and just have what you need to participate in the really super focused thing that's going to have. At a more general level, in the rules, you could really go nuts. You could really pare this down. I remember that that purple box set I got from GW a long time ago had a really flimsy, almost pamphlet-like thing that covered the whole of basic role-playing. GURPS has done it for years with GURPS Lite. I wonder if RuneQuest starter set could have a light document in it. And it may be that you would have to twist the rules. I don't think that's a massive issue. So, for example, it would save you an awful lot of word count and time and trouble if it just used D10s instead of D100s. Now, maybe that's slaying a sacred cow, but, you know, let's face it, if you're just using a D10 system, it's really easy to explain, and you're cutting back on an awful lot of unnecessary stuff for what is a basic game. Similarly, hit locations just don't have them. Don't have them in a basic starter set, in an introductory product. Just don't have them. There's a few paragraphs just gone straight away and no need for a D20 in the box at that point either. There is things you can do. Cults, one of the big things that I find really, really annoying about this data set is that cults are talked about as being central to the game's premise. But they don't get any conversation in the game and they don't come up in any of the adventures. I think you've either got to go with cults or... Take them into the background. Right now, they're just they're just mentioned as an important thing, but it doesn't mean anything. You don't go to a cult. You're not sent on any adventures by a cult. Being a member of this cult or that cult doesn't seem to do anything. I think you should have the passions in there. I think they are, probably are an important part of the game. I think the runes should be a bit more front and centred, or maybe that's something that would benefit from really being seeded through some adventures. But there's too much in there about attack and parry, this, that and the other. The rules are too unwieldy. And I really think there needs to be some character creation stuff in there. And to do that, you've just got to really simplify it down to some stuff that probably won't fit into, may not even be compatible with a main RuneQuest core game. And I think that's okay. Because I think what the box then needs to be is focused down on a particular thing maybe even built around a scenario. So imagine, if you will, that you are playing Barbarians of Sartar and you're fighting off a, a lunar occupation. That seems to be what this whole current box set is talking about, but it doesn't really get into that. You've got the solo quest big battle and then you've got the stuff afterwards and there's not enough in there on the lunars. And then you could have the equivalent of beastry, couldn't you? A really stripped down one, but one that includes lunar soldiers and baddies and NPCs, people to engage with, people to adventure against and with. We don't need Johnstown. For goodness sake, even the adventures don't take place in Johnstown. We don't need that. What we need is fleshed out areas that have got game in them. And to flesh them out, you need to restrict other things. So I think a stripped back rule system Get rid of Solo Quest. Solo Quest is brilliant, but it is now better served by being on the KSCM website, which is where it is. So, you know, what am I going to do with that 64-page book now? I might as well set light to it. I mean, really, what do I ever need that for? And instead, double down on the focus. So there could be another box set, for example, a second way in, 
current Dungeons and Dragons does this. They've got two starter sets out already. There's a third one on the way. The other starter set could be set in Prax. You've got your animal riders. You've got Pavis, the big rubble. It's a very different tone, but you've got a similar kind of idea. You've got a strip back system. You've got adventures. You've got cultures and so on. And these boxes could then form a bit of a series. And each one zooms in, not on Sata. Sata's too big. Prax is too big. Zoom in on a central location. Stuff that's like in walking distance of each other and no more than that. And you can build up your world that way. And that way you don't need to talk about the other continents. You don't need to talk about magics that aren't used there. You can develop a cult or three that are important to that place. And give me the character generation. Again, I keep on saying it. And if you're not going to do that, then give me pre-gens that are just from this area. The 14 that we've got in here, they don't touch on any of the older races. Some are Luna, some are Prax, some are Sartre, right? It, they're nice characters, but they're a grab bag. It doesn't feel like they've been made part of this box. And that's what I think the starter set could be. And I think it could be this for a lot of games, whether that be, I don't know, Blue Planet or Traveller or you name the game. I think this could be done this way. But for RuneQuest, it'd be even better. Zoom in on that tiny piece of location. All your veterans would buy it, wouldn't you? Admit it, you would, because you'd go for the adventure. And for the new people, imagine if every single one was just a different way of entering the game. And you would buy extra ones too. I would have two or three of them. It wouldn't matter that I had the intro rules pamphlet more than once. Eventually, there's enough for every player at my table. Eventually, there's enough D10s for every player at my table. It makes sense for me to buy it over and over again. This starter set is trying to please too many demographics. And I don't think it does it enough. And I frankly, I think that some of the reviews I've seen which describe it as perfect or setting a new bar, I cannot agree with you. I just don't see how this works for people brand new to the hobby. I don't see how it works for people coming to RuneQuest for the first time from other parts of the hobby, although I don't think it's too bad at that. And for veterans, I think if all you got out of this was Johnstown, you'd want your money back. So these things are notoriously difficult to do, and I certainly don't think it's as easy as I'm making it sound. But I think the idea of laser-focused location-based boxes is potentially something that could set RuneQuest and Glorantha apart from any other fantasy game that's out there. Just imagine the possibilities. All you RuneQuest vets out there, where would you set it? Where would you put your box? It's got an adventure, it's got the strip-down rules, it's got character gen or pre-gens made exactly for it and you're off and you're running and it's all simplified down and it will lead people to either more of these box sets moving sideways or up into full core book Glorantha RuneQuest. And then you take those box sets up through the levels. Then you move into stuff where you've got Rune Lords. Then you've got Hero Quest boxes. Stuff is just applied again and again to a really good template that you can iterate on and make even better until the whole thing forms a collection. Interesting thoughts. I'd love to hear what you have to think about this. I've come out of this experience really, really conflicted. I think there's loads to love about RuneQuest, but it's not been enough for me. I know it's going to be enough for you guys, so I'd like to hear what you think about my final thoughts there. What do you think about that possibility of multiple boxes that are zeroed in on individual locations and concepts from the Glorantha setting? What do you think about what I have to say about character generation? Should it be there? Should it not? I would love to hear your thoughts. You've been amazing at calling in over the progress of this podcast so far. I've loved them. So please, please, please 
let me know what you think about this. It's been a blast doing RuneQuest Year Zero. I think we're pretty much coming to the end of things now. I'd love to see if I can get a call-in show just from your opinions about the whole thing. So I'm not going to completely sign off at this point, but I just want to thank everybody who's shared it, who's liked it, who's talked to me about it, who's commented or called in. Honestly, I've been blown away. There are many, many thousands of listens to this podcast now, and I think that we've probably got room for just a few more. So until I see you again, I've been Baz, and this has been RuneQuest Year Zero. Thanks ever so much. Hi Baz, it's Stephen. Uh, I just called this time because I wanted to call you out in a little bit of D&D-ish. Uh, I want you to get some glorant and wokeness to you. You keep referring to monsters. And trolls aren't monsters. Newtlings aren't monsters. Not even trollkin are monsters. They're all people. In Glorantha, they're all people. And I think, thinking about it, it's one of the things that drew me to Glorantha way, way, way back when, because I could play these things as characters. I could play a Minotaur. I could play a Griffin. I could play virtually anything that didn't have a fixed intelligence. And that was a unique thing for Glorantha. It really did attract me to the game. And so I would just like to stop calling things monsters, except the rock wizards. They're monsters. It's not a podcast till Stephen's called in. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, all right. You got me on the monsters thing. What can I tell you? Well, I don't know. Listen, when I first encountered RuneQuest, there was a booklet called Fangs. That seemed to imply they were pretty much monsters. And I've got to say that in these adventures, look, these guys are set up as the opponents. There might be some old chaff in there about you can chat to them and negotiate and the rest of it. But I tell you what, you've got broadswords for a reason. And those are the things you're expected to stick them in at some point. Does that make them monsters? No. If I'd used antagonists or opponents, perhaps we'd all feel better about things. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. But I take your point, mate. It's definitely a Garantha thing. I do like that. I can see that everything is playable. I actually think, though, it does make it a bit unwieldy in the GM's book because the stat block has to be the same as almost for a player character. And I do think that that's a lot, you know. So, okay. Horses for courses, mate. Appreciate your call as always. Hey, Baz, it's Ludo again. Uh, so yeah, RuneQuest is an old-school game where you can quote-unquote do anything in the setting. You uh, effectively have to define the core activity with your players in session zero, like um, let's play merchants traveling in Prax, or let's be in charge of rebuilding an earth temple in Western Tartar, or let's be a band of mercenaries selling our services to the highest bidder. When I first got into Glorantha around 2018, I immediately had a handful of such campaign frameworks that I wanted to play. But the first thing that grabbed my imagination was how you could belong to a tribe fighting and adventuring for your people. It's like the now common idea of having a home base or player faction, but it had some extra cultural and magical aspect that was intriguing to me. But like you, I didn't quite know how to make that one work in practice. Um, I'm going to make a second message. Hold on. I'm holding, I'm holding. Here's a cow to keep you going. Now, it's funny that you mentioned the FFG Star Wars games in a recent episode because, well, at, at that point, I set Glorantha aside and I played a short FFG Star Wars campaign instead. But then it hit me. In Root Quest, 
You play the rebels just after the Battle of Yavin, or the French Resistance just after D-Day. The Dragon Rise in Tartar is just like those two things. It's a major blow struck against the bad guys, but the war is far from over. And that I can wrap my head around as a core activity, and it gave me a lot of ideas and sources to build a campaign. So I hope it helps. Oh, and by the way, since I know you love to know what year it is when it comes to settings with multiple playable eras, the Dragon Rise is uh, 1625, D-Day is 1944, and the Battle of Yavin is, guess what? Year Zero. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for the history lessons, Ludo. It's definitely not a podcast without your stuff in there too. I hear you on the whole post, post-Empire stuff. I think that's great. I think it's under-addressed in this book. I would like to have seen some scenarios where you are doing some kind of guerrilla commando activities against the Lunars, or you're playing the Lunars trying to put down the Rebel Uprising. They all sound like fantastic frameworks. And, um, and yeah, 1625 be damned. It's not quite half past four yet, is it? See you on the other side, Ludo. Thanks for your calls. Uh, hi, Bars. It's JT here again. Um, I just wanted to say that as a RuneQuest noob, uh, I finally have got RuneQuest to the table um, thanks to your podcast. It was just the solo scenario, but I really enjoyed it, even though I thought it was um, not perhaps the most logical in places. I thought it was a really good introduction uh, to RuneQuest, and I'd recommend it to any other noobs out there that happen to be listening to this. Um, so I just want to say thanks, really, because if it wasn't for you, and the starter set would still be sitting on my bookshelf and probably uh, waiting to go to the charity shop. So good work. Thanks. Oh, JT, it's my pleasure, mate. I'm really glad that you've done that. Uh, I enjoyed that solo quest thing too. I'm super happy that you got it to the table as well, mate. Uh, I've mentioned before, it is on the website for KSCM. Uh, if anybody wants to go there and try their hand at that solo adventure, and then you, me, and JT can all say we've played it. Hooray. Hi, Buzz. JT again, I promise for the last time. Um, I just wanted to add that I really enjoyed the RuneQuest discussion that you had with Baz on Smart Party. I thought it gave some really useful, deeper and broader context, especially for somebody like me that knows nothing about RuneQuest. I was also pretty interested, uh, as someone that loves history, to hear about the sort of simulationist approach to some of this stuff. I've got Mithras and Harnmaster on the shelf, uh, two games that I really love the look of, but I've never managed to get to the table. So maybe you could do the same thing that you did for RuneQuest with them and maybe give them a little bit of a Year Zero podcast. You could even call it, I played this game so you don't have to. Joking aside, thanks for uh, everything that you've done to inspire me to kind of dip into RuneQuest and have a go at it. Uh, I'm really interested to see where your journey goes to next. Good luck, mate. Cheers. Uh, JT, I don't know what to say. That's such a nice call. Uh, Thank you so much, mate. Um... Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing this. I don't know if it's completely the end of the road for RuneQuest Year Zero just yet. I have a feeling that the podcast you're listening to now is probably going to get some opinions back out there, and that's great. I'd I'd love to have some more conversation about it. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for that kind call. Um, Mithras has been recommended to me more than once off the back of this little adventure. Um, It's something I do not have and I maybe should get. Um, I played some great games with Loz back in the days, in the old days of conventions, back in the 90s and early noughties. Be really nice to see what him and his, um, I think Pete Nash, his mate, has been doing as well with Mithras. So that's a hole in my library. Similarly, Han. Nope, that's not there. And there aren't many games that aren't on the shelf that I'm glancing at to my left right now, but that's definitely a hole. 
yeah, who knows what might be next, mate. Maybe I will play it so you don't have to. But the trouble is, if I play it, sounds like you'll play it too. And then we both played it. And that doesn't make for a great podcast title. Confusion reigns. Thanks again, JT. Hi, Baz. Guy here from the Burn After Running RPG blog. Um, loving the cast. Um, really liking the deep dive at the starter set. Um, I just played through the solo quest, um, like you, um, and I did it I did it properly. I rolled dice and didn't put my finger in any entries to, to go back to them. I thought, like you, it's great for the setting. Um, really made me think about Glorantha. Um, the rules, less so. Um, to be honest, it put me off a bit. Um, skills are all grand generally. I could get my head around that. There's a few opposed roles, which were a bit complicated. Didn't really know what to do there. But for combat, you need to have an attack and parry results table in front of you with 25 entries in it. And it kept making me do things that I didn't know how to do, like mark damage on weapons and stuff. None of this is helped by the fact that the lunar soldier that you fight doesn't have a stat block. Um, so just a little bit frustrating, really. And needlessly fiddly. I wonder if it's better with more players. I don't know. Hello, Guy. That's amazing to have you call in. My old mate Guy from the Burn After Running blog and occasional stunt bears. Uh, you can hear him on the better of the Smart Party podcast from our back catalogue. It's normally me and Gaz just chuntering away. Oh, yeah, and quickly, yeah, thanks ever so much, JT, for pointing out the Smart Party podcast, uh, which is my main gig, really, where we did do a deep dive into RuneQuest and we talked about the history of the game with, with Gaz, uh, my co-host, who is far more knowledgeable about these things. However, back to you, Guy. Um, I'm really, really happy that you've played through that solo quest and you've kind of bumped into similar issues that I have. I wonder what you think about the early part of this cast where I suggest putting together a basic version of basic role-playing, even more basic than it is, which might be more suitable for an introductory set. Part of that might be dispensing with the attack and parry matrix. I guess at some point it stops being RuneQuest, but for me, I, I have the similar issue with just a lot of dice rolls that don't really seem to take me anywhere. So great to have someone commenting on the system element of this starter set because it's one that I've grappled with as well. Oh, grappled. Oh, dear. I feel another podcast coming on. Thanks, Guy.